0: This morning, I want to talk to you um, around something that started in the beginning, all the way back in the beginning, in the garden, in the beginning, before even the garden, in Genesis chapter 1. The Bible says these words in the beginning, that in, in the beginning, or John chapter 1 tells us rather, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's interesting how in the beginning... Words were important. Words were important. Words were so important that God even gave us a whole book of his words to us today. And even Jesus himself is the word come down from heaven, the the logos of God, the word of God. He is the word of God. The words are so important. And in the beginning when God is about his work of creation, we see him working and moving across this expanses of darkness and all before even the universe and stars were there. And the Bible says some very simple words that show the power of creation. God said. And when God said, it brought about creation. God said, let there be light, and therefore there was light, because God said. God said, let there be animals, let there be the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and all because God said. God's Word is powerful. It surely is powerful because it brings us to life. It brings creation to life. It brings everything into existence that is existence is because of God's Word. And so this morning when we're talking about words, we're going to today, words are important to God, and likewise, words are important in our lives. The way we speak, the way we talk are important. God speaks life, and when God speaks life, His very words bring about life and power, and you and I today, the Bible teaches us, as we're going to read this morning, have the capability to also speak life. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning is speak life. Speak life. I hope today that you will leave this morning fully convinced that God has called you and I to do nothing but speak life. All that we say and do, let it glorify and honor God. All that we say and write and do with our lives, let it be in a way that brings about life. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 11 says it this way. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. And Proverbs eighteen twenty-one says it this way, that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. Surely the writers of the Proverbs, the, the wisest words in the Bible, give us some direction about the power of our words. And it's amazing to me that the Proverbs here tell us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty serious to me. Death and life. It's the moments of greatest celebration when life begins. And it's the moments of greatest grievances in our life is when life ends in our world. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now that's an amazing statement that you and I should not underestimate what the Proverbs is teaching us. And likewise, Proverbs 10, 11 says that the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. You and I, if we are believers of Jesus Christ, our mouths have the capability, hear it this morning from the Word of God itself, have the capability to be a fountain of life. Isn't that beautiful that God designed you and I to bring hope through our words? Just like the choir was singing a moment ago, there was life coming through their words as they sang, as they told about the hope of Jesus, as they sang. Life came out of their mouths. And it's the same way when we encourage one another, when we pray, when we confess, however it may be, there is life that has the capability to come out of our mouths, Jesus said it this way in Luke chapter 6. In verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit. And nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. And figs are not gathered from thorns, and nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush, and the good person out of the good treasure of the heart produces good, and the evil person out of evil treasure produces evil, for it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. Even Jesus realized and taught and instructed The same teachings that we see here in Proverbs. That death and life are in the power of the tongue. And this morning I hope that you will leave with the gravity of what God has intended us to do and created us to do with our mouths and with our words. That God has created our mouths to be a fountain of life. In the garden... When everything was perfect and beautiful, their mouths were not intended to be for cursing one another, to be bringing down discouragement or accusations on one another. In the beginning, when everything was perfect and the effects of sin had even entered that place, it was to speak life to bring about life, to bring about encouragement and strength through their words. And that has, is the way that God has knit us together in the body of Christ. And so we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about how, how the Holy Spirit gives us gifts of the Spirit. And you'll note as you read those gifts, and that's another sermon for another day, but you'll note how all of those gifts tend to be oriented around words. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, words of prophecy, all of those things because the Holy Spirit also uses our words to bring about life. And it affirms the same teachings of the Old Testament that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So this morning, don't underestimate as we talk about this today what our mouths have been intended to do. That it is what we're going to read in a few moments. You can make a choice to speak life or you can make a choice to speak death. I can make a choice to bring about blessing or I can make a choice to bring about cursing. But God has intended this mouth to be a fountain of life and to speak life. And so Jesus said it in a little bit of a different light. And he brought it out in a deeper sense. And he says that what happens from the heart... It says, out of the good treasure of the heart produces good. So what Jesus is saying, in other words, if there is good in your heart, then ultimately it will come out of your mouth. But if there is bad in your heart, ultimately it will also come out of your mouth and be revealed through your mouth. And listen, as much as we may try to hide it or tuck it away, there is nothing you and I can do to hide the effects of the heart. Ultimately, Jesus says, it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks. So eventually, whatever is laying in our hearts today, you and I, listen up, Charlie, I'm preaching to myself today. Whatever is laying in the abundance of the heart, whatever is hiding in the caverns of our soul, the Bible teaches us this morning that ultimately it'll, it's going to come out. It's going to be shown because the words of our mouths are the reflection of our heart. The words of our mouths is the reflection of our hearts. And are also, our words are evidence of God's transforming work in us. And you and I all today have a choice to speak life. It's amazing when you go through and read the New Testament writers. Read James, which we're going to read in a moment. Read 1 John, 1 Corinthians. All of these letters that are wrote to these churches. The problems that were happening in the churches... It was problems that people were using their mouths to speak against one another, and it brought about chaos in their midst. It was all through their mouths. And this is what James goes on to teach about this morning, and this is where we're going to kind of study today, is James teaches us a little bit deeper about the words of our mouths, and it teaches us that... He says from the beginning that not many of you, in James chapter 3, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. I like how James is real with the church. For all of us make many mistakes. It's not to say that any person is perfect. All of us make many mistakes. And anyone who makes no mistakes in his speaking is perfect. And able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. Now James begins this teaching about the mouth by giving an illustration. And he's going to give some, uh, just some picturesque kind of thinking about the tongue. And this is what we're going to look at today. But first he brings into question the nature of the tongue. And he says that the tongue has to be bridled. And he uses the imagery of a horse. And he says like you put in the mouth of a horse to direct them and help them guide where they need to go. It's the same way with the tongue. But then he goes in to talk about the nature of the tongue and the way that our mouths speak and the way that God has in the the effects of sin have taken over in speaking through the abundance of our heart. And so he gives three images of the tongue, which we're going to talk about this morning. And the first one is found in verse 4. He says, look at ships, though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. And so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. It's amazing, this imagery here for a moment. And if you've seen a boat, you know this to be true, that a rudder is just the tiniest of thing, but yet it gives direction to where the boat is ultimately going to go. And it's the same way in the, our lives as well. The first thing that James teaches us about taming the tongue, as we're talking this morning, is that number one, the tongue is a rudder. And a rudder is a guide. A guide for however our lives may be. It charts our courses. Some people, and myself included, have had big decisions and things that have happened by the nature of what they have said. Ultimately, our tongue has the power to guide our lives, to make decisions for us, to speak to show us, to help guide us where we ought to be. And so James puts it in this sense, to understand that when they are talking about the tongue, to be careful because it is such a vulnerable and small part of the body, but yet it has an ultimate impact that affects all of the body. The tongue is a rudder. It can direct our lives. Secondly, James uses this imagery. He goes on to say, How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire. I remember this to be so true when I was living in central Virginia and even in California. I lived close to the mountains. And every time that there would be wildfires, it was always started by some careless little fire. Someone had thrown out some type of ash or something or thrown out a match and it immediately set ablaze that whole place. It was the same place in central Virginia. I remember years ago when I was living there that someone had taken just something so small and thrown it into the forest thinking nothing was going to happen and it lit that whole mountain on fire. And James says this is how the tongue acts, that it is like a wildfire, that it has the power to strike a fire in a moment and it takes a blaze immediately. The tongue is a fire. He goes on to say that the tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body and it sets on fire the cycle of nature and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird and of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. But no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. Now think about that for a moment. James reasons with them. And he tells them all the animals of the earth have been tamed by the human species. But there's not one person who has mastered how to tame the tongue. And it shows us as we're talking about the nature of the tongue. And James is showing them the effects of sin. That sin has taken an effect on the way that we speak. And ultimately, if we are not guided by the Holy Spirit working and transforming our lives, no one can tame this tongue. Only the Holy Spirit can. This is why Galatians teaches it this way. He teaches about the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. Because the presence of the Spirit, listen to me today. The presence of the Spirit in our lives means a tamed tongue for you and I. When the Holy Spirit came into the life of the early church, notice how the first thing that got a hold of them was their tongue. They began to speak in languages they'd never heard before and began to declare the wonders of God. And it was immediately the Holy Spirit redeemed the nature of the thing that is in you and I that cannot be tamed, and He redeemed it for His glory and His honor. And in the same way, if you and I will allow the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, the Spirit has the power to tame the most unruly member in all of our world today, the tongue. And so he says it this way, that it, is, it can be a restless evil full of deadly poison. Isn't that kind of scary to think about that you and I, without the help of the Holy Spirit, are walking around with poison in our mouths? And if God's Spirit doesn't help us and we're not abiding in God's Word and God's Word is having its transforming effect on us, there is a restless evil. You know what restless means, right? It never sleeps, it's always squirming about. It's like that thing that some people have at night. I used to have it when I was a kid restless leg syndrome. You're always moving, you can't get settled. And it's the same way in our tongue that there is this restless evil and the only one who is able to conquer and take control of the tongue is the Holy Spirit working through our lives. Isn't it kind of ironic that God's Word brought us into existence and it's God's Word working inside of us that takes a hold of our words and redeems them for His glory. And so... James teaches him, the tongue is a rudder. It can make big decisions for you. It can mess up your life if you're not careful. The tongue is a fire. It can destroy everything in its path. Paul told Timothy in this way, some words of wisdom that I believe are very important for us today. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23. He says, Have nothing to do with foolish and senseless controversies. You know that they breed corals. I think Paul's words to Timothy were some of the most wisest words because there was this idea in this day and age that there were people who wanted to be caught up in controversy for the sake of controversy. And Paul told him that the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, an apt teacher, patient, correcting opponents with gentleness. He goes on to say that God may perhaps grant that they will repent and come to know the truth and that they may escape from the snare of the devil. Did you hear what he called foolish controversies? Foolish arguments with one another? He called them snares of the devil. And it ought to be a warning to us as we're reading about James's words in the New Testament church, in the church that he was writing in, and Paul's words to a young pastor in the church in Ephesus, that what happens in our words can become a snare of the devil if we're not careful. It can catch us. Just like James' warning, it's a rudder, it's a fire. And if you're not careful, it can become a trap. God can, The enemy can use our words to bring us about in a trap. But God wants to work in our mouths so that it does nothing but speak life today. And this has been my prayer every Sunday. I get up and preach, and it's been a prayer that I've been trying to pray throughout my ministry. Is God let when I preach, like Isaiah says, let there be a word that would sustain the weary. I don't know what the people here need to hear. I'm not a I'm not God. But the Holy Spirit, as He is working and inspiring you and I, we can speak the exact words that will bring about life. In Matthew chapter 10, when Jesus sent out the disciples and He told them, go to this town and preach the gospel. And He said, don't worry about what you're going to say because the Spirit, He'll give you the words to say. When you don't know what to say, the Spirit will help you. And it shows us how the nature of I your relationship and my relationship with God is intended to be in a partner. That controls our words. That God wants to redeem what was meant for evil for His good and use our speech to bring about life. And if there was ever a time our world needed life, it is certainly right now. A time where you and I would just do nothing but speak life. There are people who want to speak curses. They want to speak controversies. Foolish and senseless controversies. Snares of the devil. But listen, you and I have to have the the kind of commitment to the Holy Spirit. The kind of commitment to the Word of God to say, No, I want God to use my mouth and use my lips to speak life. I want people to leave impacted by the words of God, not the words of man. This is why Paul, when he stood up and he preached, he told them, he said, let not my speech be in a way that brings about the man's faith that would rest on human wisdom. He said, but let my preaching be in a way that the words and the faith of man would rest on God. And you and I, God has called us today in the way we speak to speak life. Maybe if I could put this in 21st century context, that even includes the things we write, the things we put down on pen and paper, the things we put down on our phones. That is also part of our speech. Don't separate the two. For listen, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And listen today, you and I, our relationship with the Holy Spirit is to be in such a way that says, God, all that you would empty me of me, Let this man be crucified, as Paul said, and let Christ live in me. Let there be nothing but that speaks life. Listen, when, when this old sinful man is crucified and put away and Christ is living through you and I, go through and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Watch what Jesus said. All of His words brought about life. All of His words pointed to the Father. All of His words brought about salvation, healing, restoration, redemption. And if you and I would let Jesus live through us, there will be nothing but life that comes out of our lips and it will bring about a world of blessing to those around us and in our own lives. James says, the tongue is a rudder, the tongue is a fire. And number three, James goes on to say, in verse nine, he says, with it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing, And listen how James writes so gently and so kind. And he says to them, My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. He says, Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, yield olives or grapevine figs? No more can salt water yield fresh the tongue is a rudder, the tongue is a fire, and the same words that we hear in Proverbs, the tongue is a fountain. But the choice is, what type of fountain are you and I gonna be? A a fountain that brings about fresh water and life or fountain that brings about brackish, muddy, dirty water. I remember when I was a kid, we used to live near a spring of water. And I remember It was kind of in a busy area, actually. And you would see all the time people stopping at that spring of water with their gallons, filling it up with water to take home. They would come with all sorts of ways to fill that up, a spring that was just always putting out fresh water. And, you know, it taught me something about being a fountain of life, that when you and I speak words of life, there's something that is attractive about that. There's something that people want fresh in their life. Amos said it this way, that in the last days, there's going to be a famine for the word of God. There's going to be a day and age when our world is looking for sources of fresh water and life. And when you and I develop a lifestyle of being fountains of life, it becomes appealing to the world that is doing nothing but ingesting dirty, muddy water all the time. But when there is finally someone who brings them the source of life and tells them about Jesus, there is something that is appealing and attractive to that. And it draws people to it. They're just running to it because there is something that just all of us want inherently in our human nature and that is life that is life and so James says it in such a beautiful way he says we bless the Lord with our tongue but it's also the same tongue we curse other people who are in the likeness of God no that ought not to be so James says he says it's a spring it's a fountain of life Just like Proverbs says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Speak life. Now I want to leave you with this this morning, this encouragement as we're talking about the tongue, that remember today, the tongue is a restless evil and there is nobody here today that can tame it. There is only one who is powerful enough to tame it and that's the Holy Spirit working through us. When you and I try to do it on our own, I want to tell you, we're going to fail every time. But if we will allow the Spirit to have His work in us, oh, how there is going to be nothing but soothing balm of oil that comes out of our mouth. Words of life. Words of wisdom and healing and encouragement. Scripture encourages us to speak life. Not just James warning the churches, but Scripture encourages us in many ways to speak life. Life. There are five ways that Scripture teaches us about speaking to life. I'm not going to go by, through them point by point, but just to tell you them today for your own reference. Five ways God calls us in Scripture to speak life. Number one, confession and repentance. All of us today, one of the ways that brings about life is when you and I stop and we say, God, forgive me. Forgive me of the way I have spoken. Forgive me of this. Forgive me of that. Whatever it may be, when you and I repent, there inherently comes, because of Jesus and his work on the cross, there comes life. Confession and repentance bring about life. Another way that scripture encourages us to speak life is through encouragement. The Bible talks over and over again, and is in its nature a word of encouragement that there is something about that God calls us to do to speak encouragement to one another and even to ourselves. And we see in the psalmist encouragement is the nature of motivating the soul out of despair and living in hope of God. And so that's why all of us need encouragement because if not, we would live in despair, but instead, God God wants us to live in hope of who God is. And so sometimes it's necessary because of the father of lies, the one whose native tongue is nothing but lies, who speaks us into despair. Sometimes we need a brother or sister to come along and speak. Encouragement to bring us out of despair and into hope in Jesus, and that is another way scripture calls us to speak life it's through confession, repentance, through encouragement, and thirdly, it's through preaching, it's through preaching the gospel. When the gospel goes forth, listen, the Bible says that the word of God does not return void. It will accomplish its purpose. It was sent forth. So when you and I preach the gospel, declare the glory and the wonders of God, it's not a waste. It will accomplish its purpose. You may not see it with your eyes. You may not witness it. But God's word is true. And it will accomplish the word that it is sent forth to do. Scripture encourages us speak life confession repentance encouragement preaching and fourthly praying praying listen praying is so important in our lives and as we have talked about the nature of our words this morning i think that ought to bring out even more so the importance of prayer God acts on behalf of those who speak to Him. Those who open up their mouths and call upon God because there's something about when our tongue the most unwildly member of the body, the restless evil, when our tongue begins to cling to Jesus, that evil thing, and it begins to look to Jesus, there is something to God that is compelling about that, that that unruly member is being redeemed for the purposes and glory of God. So when you and I pray, what's happening is, is this unruly member is being dethroned, and he's being tamed, and he's being brought into submission to God Almighty, and we begin to pray and say God I need you and so God's help comes God help me guide me show me the way whatever it may be there's something about when you and I pray the power of words death and life are in the power of the tongue and God has called us to open up our mouths and pray it's not an option It's not a choice. It's something that we have to do. If we are going to survive as the people of God, as a believer, we have to pray. We have to live in dependency upon God. Jesus went so far to say this, that if you say to this mountain, be cast into the sea. If you open up your mouth in prayer and say to this mountain, it shall be done unto you. It ought to teach us today that when you and I gather and pray, when we come to the front, when we gather here on Wednesdays, those words are not a waste. There's something that God is doing. He is hearing those words. His The Bible teaches us and affirms over and over again that God's ear is attentive to the cry of the righteous. And when you and I pray, we're speaking life. Life that says in the world of death, I am depending on the God who brings about life. I don't it doesn't matter what is going on in your life in your world when you pray you begin to open up and depend on the one who can bring about life God give us life today life flows out of us and finally scripture encourages us to speak life confession, repentance, encouragement preaching, praying and finally through worship through worship Worship is not just singing and song. Worship is the way that our heart stands in adoration of God. And remember what Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so when we go about our day, maybe it is through singing. Maybe it's through under-the-breath prayer when you've given all that you can give. And the last thing you know to say is, thank you, God. Worship is when you get your eyes away from yourself and you look to the strength of God. And you don't go to Him and worship Him because of what He has. You go and worship Him because of who He is. Because He is good. He is wonderful. He is faithful. We could go on and on, but worship is simply looking to God. And when you and I worship, what happens is, we get back to our original purpose that God made humanity for in the garden to be an adoration and bring glory to God. God created us to speak life through worship. These are audible practices that are reflective of the postures of the heart. Sure, some of them can be done in the stillness of the soul, but there's something about when you open up your mouth and sing and pray, and confess, and repent. Whatever it may be, there is something about that that is powerful. Musicians are going to come. I want to leave you with this today. Revelation chapter 12. The Bible tells us of this great battle that went on between the angels and Satan. And there's this great battle that was happening and Satan was accusing the brethren, the people of God, once again, using words to bring about death. But the Bible says that as they began to make war with Satan and his angels, the Bible says that they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. It is true What Proverbs says, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And sometimes what God is calling us to do is to speak life. They won because of their word, of their testimony, but that was endorsed by the blood of Jesus that gave them their testimony. Their word brought about a victory that they might not have otherwise had. God redeemed what was the most unruly member of the body for His beautiful, glorious purposes. Will you stand with me today? Paul instructs those in Romans chapter 10 who want to come to faith in Jesus Christ. He says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, says, confess with your mouth Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Then you shall be saved. Paul calls the church and he calls us in Jesus as well, that the, the, the premise of repentance and confession starts with opening up our mouth and confessing Jesus is Lord. Because that unruly tongue, when Jesus is confessed as Lord, becomes subject to the one who is Lord. So we open up and we confess with our mouth. This morning, I want to invite you today I know today is not an easy thing to hear because we all wrestle with it. It hurts sometimes when you talk about my words and the way I use my words. But I want to encourage you today. This isn't meant to do anything to tear down. This is meant to bring about life that God has called us all to speak life. And God wants to use this body of believers that when we go from this place, when we worship together, we're bringing about life to one another, speaking blessing on one another, speaking encouragement and prayer and strength that comes as we call upon the name of the Lord. And So this morning, maybe your way of speaking life would be in confession. repentance. Maybe you have to humble yourself and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've been like that fountain that's springing fresh water and brackish water, but it ought not to be so. Maybe it's got to be the kind of speaking life that just worships the Lord for a moment and acknowledges Jesus as King. Maybe it's the type of speaking life that comes to Him in praise and depending upon Him and trusting in Jesus, whatever it may be. I pray today that God would take this tongue and use it all for His glory. Use our mouths to bring glory to Him and honor to Him today. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? This morning, I want to invite you to come this morning. You need prayer today. You need somebody to speak life into you today. Encouragement and strength. Please come this morning. If you want to come this morning to the front and pray, feel free to come. If you want to kneel at your seat, kneel at your seat, whatever it may be. Maybe you need to confess and repent and say, Lord, I have been wrong. I have made mistakes and confess that Jesus is Lord. The Bible says uh, what happens after that is then you shall be saved. This morning, would you allow the words of life, the words of God to bring strength to your soul today? come this morning however it may be allow someone to gather with you bring them by the hand to say I need prayer today I need you to speak life into me this morning father today I want to pray today for those who are struggling today they're wrestling Lord they're in the place of despair and they need someone to speak life to bring them into the place of encouragement today God I pray encouragement would come this morning I pray strength would come today Lord I pray, Father, a new grace would come today, Lord. I pray repentance and confession would come today, Father. Lord, we're sorry. God, I'm sorry today. We repent this morning. We're sorry for the things that we have said that have displeased you, Lord. We're sorry, Lord, for how we have said something that might have hurt someone. God, we repent this morning. We repent today, Jesus. We come before you, Lord. Make us whole again, Jesus. Allow us to be a fountain of life today, Jesus. Help us to speak life this morning, Lord. Jesus, use this thing that is a restless evil to declare the glories and wonders of God. We worship you, Jesus. As the choir sings, if you need prayer today, please come this morning. Allow us to pray with you today. Oh, there's no shame in praying, What a joy it is to trust and abide in Jesus. Let's sing today.